Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke. Thank you for joining us today's show. Tour de France, we're going to do stages 11 through 15, review, analysis, some commentary on those. Look, the French are going crazy, believing that they can get their first Tour de France winner since 1985 with Bernardino. That's maybe possible. We'll talk about that. They have two options in that category. We'll also, hey, Simon Yates matched Julian Alaphilippe with two stage wins at this tour. Also, what's that do to Mitchelton Scott? Why are they going for stage wins? Things that make you go, hmm, the last week of the tour is here. Predictions, winners and losers. Hey, you came here for cycling commentary. We're giving you what you want. We got to go. Look, the rest day is coming up. We just had stages uh, 11 through 15. Uh, it's probably best to review what's happened since the last rest day up till now to give you some concepts and kind of build on that. So interesting that from day to day, things change dramatically. Uh, we just had stage 15 end, and after the stage 14, you're like, oh, here are these people are now. And then after that, well, these people. But the reality is you're shifting and sifting out some of those from the pot there and of the overall contenders who can be there. And really, you have about five or six uh, true contenders. And hey, you, what everyone's saying this is the everyone. A lot of people are saying this is one of the most wide open tours, most exciting tours since 1989. We talked about that earlier. That was Greg LeMond's, uh, what, 30 years ago now? Um, and one of the most exciting races since then. Yes, it definitely is. There is reasons for that. One person, Chris Froome, has made the difference. Chris Froome is not in this race. That's actually the reason why we'll talk about that coming up. All right. First of all, let's get to stage 11. Albi uh, to Toulouse, 167 kilometers. This was Wednesday. This was after the the rest. Uh, the rest. Remember, rest came on. We had uh, uh, the Monday race. Then we had a Tuesday rest day. Uh, normally it'd come on Monday, the rest, and then Tuesday kind of shifted everything out. Look, what's great about this is we'll talk about it here with time trial, but from then on, there there are this last week, there are no more time trials, which really makes it interesting coming up. Okay. This was going to be a sprinter's day all along, 167 kilometers. Uh, look, the, you had DQS, uh, Dequina Quickstack, you had Jumbo, you had Sunweb still thinking. Look, Sunweb comes out in their full identity crisis mode on this stage. They had been working for Michael Matthews. Now they're going for Case Bowles. There are other t- Matthews is pulling out. Matthews is a little odd. And look, I really said coming into this, I expected him to have a stage win due to his his ability to climb. And we have all these little climbing stages, not a lot of sprinty stages. Um, he's actually done really well. If, you know, most people you're saying, hey, you're going to get, you know, seconds, thirds, fourth, fifths, top fives a lot. You'd be happy with that. He probably is not happy with it. And it seems like he's still lamenting the fact that he had to come into this race and be ready to help Tom Dumoulin. And Tom Dumoulin, another name that's not in the tour, makes a difference. Anyway, it comes down to the sprinters. This stage didn't disappoint. Dequanic quick step, jumbo. They take the reins. Coming into the finish, Mike Tunison, who had won stage one for Jumbo, hits the front about 450. And um, with Grunewagen on his wheel, Caleb Ewing's up there good. Viviani's kind of up there okay. Uh, and Grunewagen has a big jump. Uh, Caleb Ewing has a jump as well. And man, the little Aussie guy does a bike throw at the finish, barely gets Grunewagen. What's interesting about this one is both of these sprinters have an easy bike length 
on everybody else. Um, yeah, Viviani out there. Uh, you had Viviani in second, Peter Sagan in third, Jens Debrecht. And then you start seeing just a smattering of different people. You had uh, Jasper Philipson of the UAE team. We've talked about him a few times. He is he, he's a new guy. He has been with uh, Action Berman uh, previously. But um, you saw uh, Christoph, Alexander Christoph, his teammate, actually sprinting and leading him out. I mean, Christoph hasn't been having it. He did this earlier in the year for Gaviria. Great unselfish guy, and to be able to to just kind of flip it mid mid race and to help your your young sprinter out, I thought that was really good for him. Christoph still gets ninth in that stage. Warren Bargui gets tenth on a sprint stage. He had been working up there, bringing the gorilla uh, Greipel up to the front, trying to drop him off, and then just kind of sprints on his own anyway. Greipel nowhere in the top ten. Caleb Ewing though. Great sprint. Finally glad to see him. Did a great job of maneuvering his way. Uh, I think Viviani actually hit his helmet on someone trying to take a, a video on the road. Had their camera out there. Look, there was a total, uh, total direct energy rider that came. Looks like he kind of got pushed by Cadell, but I'm sorry, Caleb Ewing. But there was no disqualification. Pretty clean sprint. Great bike throw. Very close. And just barely gets uh, Dylan Gronewagen at the line. Pretty happy for him. Um, I've been hoping, look, Caleb has been wanting to come to the tour. He's been not allowed to with his team the last few years. He was really expecting to last year. They had announced he was going. Then there was, they announced that at the tour down under early season. And then when tour time came, they said, nope. So he's actually, he got, what, two stage wins, I believe, at the Giro this year. So able to get his tour, uh, open his account for that it was pretty good for him. GC on the day, Alaphilippe, Bernal uh, in third, Thomas in second, a minute 12, a minute 16. Kreuzwick, no real big changes. Uh, you didn't see it there. Stage 12, Toulouse to Bagnier de Buigua, um, 202 kilometers. This was on Thursday, had two climby things in it, a cat four early on, nothing there. And then in the last, hmm. Was well, 202 last what 60k? You had a cat one and then another cat one with a, another time bonus on the cat one over there. What you saw there is normally this is going to be a GC day for the mountain men with this downhill, but with the time trial coming up, they were all kind of a little reluctant. What you ended up seeing was uh, some other somewhat GC could have been GC guys. One of them, Simon Yates, he gets up in the break, he gets up there, and he ends up uh, narrowing it down to uh, Pillabe Bao. And Gregor Molberger, he actually had his teammate, uh, Matteo Trenton, up there working hard on the climb. He dispatches a him. And at the time, I'm thinking, not good team tactic because uh, Matteo Trenton can outsprint any of these guys. But man, Simon Yates was feeling it. And what he did was superb. They had, they had a left hand corner about 100, 150 to the line, uh, hard 90. You come around there. And uh, with that, it was a slight drag up to. Simon Yates made sure that he jumped before the corner, came through the corner first, and then hit the sprint. And he easily outdid Pell, Bilbao, and Gregor Mulberger. So he got a post up, good win. Pretty happy for Simon Yates for that. I mean, his brother Adam, we'll talk about him uh, coming up here. And, uh, you know, Simon comes in, he, he uh, does the Giro last year. He rides a lot like Alaphilippe was. And then stage 19 is when Chris Froome explodes out of the front. Simon explodes out of the back that all that work had kind of accumulated, come up on him. We'll see if that happens to Alaphilippe. Uh, and then he goes to the, the, the Vuelta same year, last year, 
he ends up winning the Volta. Goes to the Giro this year. Doesn't have quite the Giro he wanted. I think he was seventh place overall. Decent time, but not quite what he had had. But, you know, coming back to back from one tour to the next, it's not such a bad result. Comes into this one fully to support Adam, and he goes off for a stage win himself. So Mitchelton Scott has two stage wins at this point with Daryl Impey and Simon Yates. Uh, we'll see what happens with the overall. No changes in the overall. Alaphilippe, Thomas, Bernal, Kreuzwick, Bachman. Look, we're going to have to start talking about Emmanuel Bachman because he has been showing he can he can race well. He's a young guy. Bora hands grow a team. Uh, not much of a team to support, but man, you don't really need one when you just be able to kind of sit there, follow wheels and attacks. But with more more discussion about him, the next day, stage 13, pow to pow, 27 kilometer time trial. This was on Friday, individual time trial. What you had there was, it had some climbing stuff and I heard George Bennett say, look, uh, this was really um, good for the climbers about the first half to two thirds of it. And then it was a screaming finish and you just kind of hold on. So go out hard and fast and see if you can hold that. So we get look to early on, like I had said, who, who's going to do this? And my, my thought was actually Walt Banner may have a good chance. Chad Haga was another one. Joy Roscoff. They were all up there in the initial uh, time splits for the finish. Um, but then he had Wout coming in near the finish. He was, he was going pretty fast. He takes the right-hand corner, gets his leg on a bear on the barrier. Now look, people are posting, tweeting out all of, you know, social media complaining about barriers, the feet that they have on the barriers that had nothing to do with it. It looks like he was just really precision trying to take that close line around the corner and he caught his leg and evidently it was pretty good laceration blood everywhere. He's not finishing. And the guy behind him, Thomas DeGent, said they had to slow down a little bit. They moved him out and had to take a wider corner. Um, it's only significant because DeGent ends up with the fastest time at that point. And he gets to sit in the hot seat for quite some time waiting for the others to come through. Now, when you looked here at the splits, um, you know, Wout Venert had had a good split coming up. Uh, the only people that, that posted out in front of him on the f- first one, he was... At the end of the day, um, Wout was ninth on the first split. Uh, and then he drops off on those. But DeGent comes through uh, fourth in the first split, fourth in the second split. And then overall, he ends up in the top five. We'll get to how that works out. With the GC guys, um, coming near the end, you have DeGent sitting in there looking good. Steven Kreuzwick comes through the time split, starts posting out really good times early on. Matter of fact, he's second at the first time split. And then um, even ahead of Garrett Thomas. Then you have Julian Alaphilippe, though, comes flying out of the box, posts the fastest split. He has four seconds over Kreuzwick at the first time split, six seconds over Garrett Thomas at the, at, the, at the same one, and 10 over Thomas DeGant. Second time split at uh, 15.5K. Alaphilippe increases it to six seconds over Garrett Thomas. Kreuzwick just a second or so below, or actually about six to 10 seconds below. He was 19 seconds behind Alaphilippe. Thomas DeGant, 24. Richie Port was posting a good time. Rigoberto Uran, Enric Moss, Thibaut Pino, all these guys, Fogelsong and Bachman, they were all in the top 10 for the uh, middle split. 21K, Alaphilippe. Puts he's losing a little bit of time there. He lost one second to Garrett Thomas. He's five seconds up on him, 25 up on DeGent, Rigoberto Uran, Kreuzwick. So those guys start to fade just a little bit. And at the finish, we end up with Alaphilippe winning it by 14 seconds over Garrett Thomas, 
Thomas Agant in third at 36 seconds back, tied with Rigobert Uran, Richie Port at 45, Kreuzwick. Look, so you Pino, Port, Kreuzwick, Pino, um, Asgreen, Moss, Roskop, Joy Roskop with the CCC team. Good, good result for him. Nilsson Oliveira, Fulsang, Moloma. I mean, a lot of these guys up there, Chad Hega ends up with 17th place. Bachman in 15th. Some big losers on the day. Roman Bardet, uh, Adam Yates lost over a minute 30. Uh, but for the most part, those guys kind of consolidated. Atlanta didn't do that great either. Uh, who, you know, are you expecting Nairo Quintana? None of those guys. So the, uh, the GC flips itself over on this point with Philippe doing literally the unbelievable. Um, and, and I mean that in kind of a eh, questionable sense. And the reasons, you know, look, I, I, the cycling podcast did, they do their kilometer zero. It's like this, these production kind of, and they interviewed David Walsh talking about the 1989 tour, or sorry, 1999 tour, Lance Armstrong's first win and coming in there. And when things start to change and the speed at which Lance is doing the prologue, uh, and then the, the second time trial, and they had done a time on that with, uh, Indurain, the same, uh, same time trial course, I think, and he was doing a comparison and saying that, you know, Lance's time was so much faster than Indurain and, you know, Lance is beating all these guys and he's like, Lance has never really put up the time trials like this before and he really starts to question it. He starts to question it in the press and it just seems unbelievable the way he's climbing because he's never done this before. Um, can you say that same thing about Philippe? And, and look, this, this is... This is what we have in cycling. I'm sorry it is, but when you have Philippe racing the way he is, never having done, I, I could see the climbing a little bit more than the time trialing. Now I understand you look at this, this time, this time trial results here. You've got a lot of climbing intensive guys, but actually a lot of them are just, uh, you know, good time trialers. Roskop, I mean, he's not a great climber, but he's a, he's a damn good time trialist. Haga, uh, Richie Poor, Kreuz, all these guys can, can climb and they can time trial, but Philippe beating Garrett Thomas by, 15 seconds that's that seems a little much now we'll see it, look that should have actually you'd be paying for it the next day in the mountains um and look i guess there is somewhat of a correlation of me comparing this to lance about you know we know what came of lance in that case um or is this guy just one that happens to be you know riding high and i mean there's always these excuses you can put for everybody uh, similarly, we do that with Garrett Thomas, the way he climbs, such a big guy climbing. I don't know. All I'm saying is um, it'd be cool. It'd be nice to, to believe this. Uh, we've had some issues in the past that make you not so believe, you know, want to believe these things. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not um, naive. I'm not going to be naive about it. Uh, I'm also not going to be kind of ornery about it and just come out right and say, hey, look, I'd like to have some proof. So we'll see what he can do the rest of the tour. I mean, once again, the, the time trial is just a little suspect for me. Was it, so Garrett Thomas, I mean, he said he didn't unload it. He wasn't able to kind of dig that deep. I don't think his fitness is quite where it is at. And that goes into stage 14, Tarbes to Col du Tourmalet. The Tourmalet, 117 kilometers. This was Saturday. This is a stage that is well-known. I mean, stage is well-known, but the, the climb is well-known. There's different ways they go up the Tourmalet. Um, I don't think this is the most difficult uh, way they've gone up Tourmalet, but Look, it's the famous one. It's a big climb out there in HC climb. So that day it was a short stage, four, four categorized, four climb coming on early. And I guess there's some sort of 
political protest happening. So they actually moved the stage forward a little bit, shortened it a little bit more. Uh, then they had anyway, this, the, the cat four climb then they had the cat one and then they had a, a HC category. And look, this one basically waiting till the end and to see what can happen with all these guys. And what you ended up seeing was a few things. One, you started to see um, the GC guys that just had no chance. Roman Bardet getting popped off on the cat one climb. He loses a ton of time. You saw Adam Yates. He's losing contact on the category one climb. He finally fights his way back. We see Port having trouble near the end. We see uh, uh, Dan Martin having issues as well. But what we didn't see was Philippe losing anything. As a matter of fact, it comes up to near the finish. The guys are kind of all together. What was cool was the yump. Well, this. The, we'll get right to the results. Thibaut Pino ends up winning. He gets six seconds uh, over Alaphilippe and Kreuzwick, Bachman, Bernal, Landa. You had a gap down there to Garrett Thomas. He had a little bit of an issue. Warren Bargui, uh, Folsang, Bennett, Valverde. Yes, I said Bennett. He was up there still. Richie Port, 205 back, all the way down to Kreuzinger in uh, 20th place at 348. Mulema, Aru, Quintana, they're like 320s back. Uh, Enric Moss lost a little bit of time, but you're like, Hey, uh, looking pretty solid up there. So that was the results on the day and we'll go to the GC and then we'll just talk about some of the issues with that stage 14 general classification, uh, Julian Alaphilippe in the lead 202 over Thomas. So he took some time uh, on Thomas Kreuzwick moves up to third at 214 Bernal at four at three minutes back. Emmanuel Bachman at f- in fifth place at 312, and Thibaut Pino sixth place at 312 as well. Rigoberto Uran at seventh place, 424. And I bring him up because um, near the end, um, when the, the surges started to happen, Pino's attacking up there. You started to have uh, Uran getting dropped. You're seeing Garrett Thomas getting dropped. Um, and then those kind of Uran end up, ends up coming back through Thomas. And those two just kind of set their pace and hung onto the line. And at the end, Pino just looked great. Does a hard kick because that pitch to the finish was still pretty difficult. Uh, Pino gets his win. Uh, and it, look, there's people saying uh, on journalists and you know the Twitter sphere, uh, the internet that Pino attacking that Alaphilippe did not chase him down, kind of giving it to him. I don't know if that's true. I mean, you're, you're going to be in a, a race of seconds here and it's a tight thing. You go after that if you can. I know you look, you leave Alaphilippe to the end. He's got a kick. I don't care who, you know, how it is. He's going to be able to try to jump, get, get that back on you. So you need to get rid of him quicker. Uh, and I've also heard that, look, the, just because they're both Frenchmen, they're not necessarily giving each other any, you know, any room, any slack. Um, matter of fact, if, if, if they're not going to win it as a Frenchman, they don't want another Frenchman to win. So I don't know if these guys maybe are a little bit above that kind of infighting, but let's just retract on the day and see what happened. Yet early on, you had team movie star just drilling the front. Uh, it was very impressive to see Amador. I think that's the guy from Costa Rica. They're one of their climbers just on the front on the cat one. And then on the front uh, of this 20 kilometer climb, uh, while Nairo Quintana is getting blown out the back. So you're like, well, what are they doing? Because, uh, you know, uh, one of their best riders right now is Ben Valverde, but he had con- turned himself into up the Planche de Belfi on stage, uh, was that six? Uh, he had turned himself into the full-on domestique, riding on the front, getting intentionally dropped just to do the work. 
Landa had made the crosswind split and then got bumped off the road by Bargui, so he loses a bunch of time that day. He doesn't do a great time trial, so he's not looking so good. But he's you know, he's climbing at least better, so you think they're going for Quintana. And they're on the front. Quintana gets popped. Who knows? The team's saying, we didn't know that he had any problems. You know, one of the first things you saw him do, he pulls over, he grabs a Coke from a, a spectator. He's probably obviously having some physical problems. I, they they never, you know, if you want to bet on a few things, one is that Team Ineos is going to do the right thing. They're going to stop as a team. You see this. There was another thing I saw. Uh, I'm trying to remember the rider was that went down. Maybe it was a Richie Port. And he falls, he goes, gets caught in one of these wrecks in, uh, from the rest day on one of those stages. As uh, just a minor one. And um, he's getting his big bike fixed up and his teammates are, teammates fixing his own bike. And that's not what you see with Ineos when, you know, Grant Thomas goes down, his whole team just swarms him and they're, they're not worrying about that. Matter of fact, Moscon has his own bike run over by the UCI director. Uh, cause he's, why? Cause he's helping Thomas. So, you know, your own bike is out in the middle of the road. You don't care because you're doing the thing for your team. So that's just kind of the, the different thing. Well, look, so you can bet on Indios doing the right thing uh, tactically and supporting their team. And you can also usually bet on Movie Star just kind of effing it up. Now they change their tactics around for stage 15. We'll get to that. But the reality is that team is in turmoil. You have Carapaz um, rumored going to Team Indios. He just won the Giro. You want to quite well this year. Uh, Landa, the rumor that he is going uh, Bahrain, I think maybe that's where he's going because Nibali's leaving there. Uh, you have rumor that Nairo Quintana is going to Arkea Samsic. I don't know why you'd be doing that. Who I don't know who they have. You know, they have Soler, they have Winter Anaconda, they have, uh, well, I said Carapaz is going, um, who's the, the Costa Rican guy that was out there, you know, Ham, Amador hammering it out today. But I don't know if these, any of these guys are ready to take on the mantle. So just a strange uh, thing. And then the converse of that was you saw Ineos losing a bunch of their guys on the climb. You know, Froome's not there anymore. So Froome, you get you pull him out of the picture. And last year you had Brunel. You know, he was there working for him. You had Garrett Thomas kind of there, even though they had a dual leader. But you always had... Uh, Kwiatkowski, and then you had Bernal, you had Wout Poles. Well, when you have, you know, you've moved your teams from nine to eight, and now you take Froome out, and you have one of those guys that used to be the helper as one of the team leaders. You know, you have just those two. Those two aren't really supporting each other, so you don't have this team that can get on the front in those early climbs, really keeping everything in check, which is making this great. But then what does uh, Movie Star do? Hey, let's work for you because obviously Julian Alaphilippe's team cannot do any of this. Okay, these are all weird tactics. But basically what you'd like to do is Team Jumbo Visma. They have uh, Stephen Kreuzberg. He's looking good. He did good in the time trial. He made the crosswind split. He did just fine up the Planta Belfi on uh, stage six. So he is a great spot in overall contention. But he obviously lost time to Julian Alaphilippe who the prediction and the feeling is that Julian is going to be losing some time. So we're kind of comparing him to Garrett Thomas. His team looks great with Lawrence Duplus. You have uh, George Bennett. Those two have been great support for him up in the mountains. And matter of fact, up near the finishing. And uh, they were they were in great support from yesterday. They were back in there today on stage 15, which we'll talk about here in a second. And look... So you have them kind of controlling it. Julian Alaphilippe, his quick, uh, quick step team can't control it unless it's on the early stages, and like we'll see on stage 15. 
Ineos is kind of doing that. So I don't know that these teams necessarily, that, you know, they could play a game of chicken with Alaphilippe. Yeah, you know, you want to chase these guys down. You don't want to, you know, let's go to stage 15 because that's exactly what happens at the beginning of it here. Stage 15, Limois to Foix. You had two, uh, a category two climb. You had a cat one, you had a cat one and a cat one. And it finishes on the summit there in the cat one. And there were some steep sections on the second to last category one climb, really steep. And actually, I tuned into the race today. There's like 60K plus to go. And already up the road, you're seeing uh, guys that got shelled out yesterday. You had Roman Bardet. You had Nairo Quintana. You had Simon Yates. Uh, Geshka. There was a bunch of guys up the road. You had a, quite a few. I think Soler maybe was up there. You had several movie star riders up the road already. In the end, you have Simon Yates attacking on the Cat 1 with Geshka. They go over the top. He attacks him and gets rid of him on the Cat 1. Simon Yates ends up with the win on stage 15. Very impressive. There was some rain there today. But what you also saw was Quintana's up the road on the second to last Category 1 climb. You have Mikel Landa initiating an attack off the front. Up until this point, you had actually had Quick Step. You had even Viviani on the front working. So his team rallied around him. They're like all in to see if they can get this Frenchman uh, a win for the overall and keep him in yellow and he's fighting very hard. So it's, it's, it's impressive to see. And you can see that, you know, like when he was the yellow Jersey, he was willing to get on the front for Viviani. Viviani is willing to get on the front for him. Um, this is the way that I hate to say it, but the wolf pack, that's what they call themselves. That's kind of the way they ride. Uh, and it's, it's paying dividends right now. Okay. But with that, the race starts to kind of crack on the cat one before the finishing climb, but they come to the finish there now, uh, Landa gets maybe a minute up the road. He ends up catching up to uh, Nairo Quintana's group. Quintana, they look at each other, kind of, kind of look. And the, Nairo doesn't do anything to help him. He just goes straight on through. He ends up catching up to Amador and Soler, who had been up the road. They drill it on the front for him, and he's going up the road. Cat one, the finishing climb, the, the big teams come to the fore there. Now you have uh, Enrique Moss is no longer around for Quintana's, uh, for Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe stays in there. And Thibaut Pino lights it up with about five or six kilometers to go. Uh, what he had said afterwards in some of his quotes were, look, the steep pitches were at the bottom of this climb. It got a little more mellow at the top. So I... Knew I couldn't get rid of people possibly at the top. I needed to get rid of them at the bottom. I didn't mind redlining it at the bottom because I knew I could recover at the top. And that's exactly what he did. He redlines, he goes, Bachman tries to go with him. Bernal goes with him. Alaphilippe goes with him. They distance Garrett Thomas, who likes to ride kind of this, his own pace. He's got Walt Polzer with him this time. Uh, he's got Kreuzwick. Uh, and then you start to see Pino just go and go. And he's got these off rhythm things. Now, look. Um, we don't, ex that's kind of the way Julian Alaphilippe actually can ride. He can ride in these jumpy modes, but this guy is getting worn down. And at this point, if you want to get rid of him, you need to do consistently inconsistent <laughs> accelerations, do those a bunch. So hit the gas, come off, hit the gas, come off. And what happened was he did the thing where maybe it's a little immaturity or maybe it's just, Hey, he's never been in this situation. He goes with those moves and he gets up there and then Bachman can't quite hold. So it's now he goes, uh, Alaphilippe goes around. It's Bachman. Um, it's, uh, Bernal and it's Thibaut Pino. And then next thing you know, Pino hits the gas again. He actually is asking for Bernal to come through. He's not coming through. They get rid of, of Julian Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe's flailing. He's doing his best to fight. 
he goes back then to the group. Now, look, this guy had redlined getting up to there. And it was so hard that Thibaut Pinot, like I said, was trying to get Bernal to come through. Bernal was not able to. And then Thibaut Pinot accelerates again. He gets rid of Bernal. He goes on up the road. But in the overall, you end up having um, uh, Simon Yates holding off everybody for the win. And you got Thibaut Pinot coming in second place. Very impressive over the line. Uh, and, and the question then is how much of a gap can he end up holding on to everybody for the finish? So Simon Yates, Thibaut Pino, 33 seconds back, Mikael Landa right on his wheels. Uh, Manuel Bachmann ends up fighting his way and comes in at 51 with Egon Bernal. Then you had Leonard Kamna. He had been as team Sunweb. He had been just, he'd been in the break. He'd been able to kind of hold himself there. He got a front row view. I uh, heard an interview with him and he said, hey, this was so much fun. He goes, look, yes, I'm suffering, but I get a front row seat to this stuff and I'm up there kind of, you know, slaying it away, just getting to be able to watch uh, as these guys go at it. Further back down the hill, you ended up, um, Alaphilippe comes back to Bern- to Garrett Thomas, Stephen Kreuzwick, and get Wout Poles, uh, Garrett's talking to Kreuzwick. And it, you know, someone said, Hey, to Garrett afterwards, what were you guys talking about? He goes, I don't remember what he said to me, but I told him, look, I've got Bernal up the road. I'm not going to chase pulling the yellow Jersey along. So if you want to attack, go ahead. And that's exactly what happens. And I think that's Garrett Thomas said later on, he goes, Oh, it's kind of sucked because I had great legs, but you know, Bernal's up the road, dude, Bernal is in fifth place. Why are you worried about, if you guys are fighting over you know, trying to hold a fifth place position. Yes, I understand you don't want, but uh, Alaphilippe was up the road a little bit when you, when you said, you know, this is the case, Alaphilippe's up there. I didn't want to drag people. No, you drag to them. And then what you do when this guy has not been able to hold the positions, you got to just attack him. Because Kreuzwick saves the day for, for Thomas. He saves the day for himself. And what does he do? He, when he said, uh, you can attack if you want. Okay, fine. He attacks. Alaphilippe can't come with this. Thomas uh, goes up to, as well. Uh, attacks, they get rid of uh, Alaphilippe and then it's on. And then he's got to fight to the finish. That's what you have to do. And Watt Poles jumps up, puts up, sits himself on uh, Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe comes in at 149. So he, he loses uh, you know, a little over a minute to uh, uh, Thibaut Pino. He loses how much time to Thomas? Thomas comes in at 122. So, you know, he only loses like uh, 30 seconds or so to uh, Garrett Thomas. And, you know, maybe if they'd gone a little earlier, they would have been able to trim that fat a little bit better. So, look, on the day, let's assess the teams here. We have, we have, um, FDJ. Let's start with them. They're with Thibaut Pino. He's the guy that's been coming through, you know, people, you look at him, you go, look, he lost a minute 40 or so on the, uh, you know, the win stage. What, you know, how would it be? Cause let's look at the GC, the overall, um, right now going into today's, um, you have, I'm sorry, after today, you have Alaphilippe still in yellow, Garrett Thomas, a minute 35 back, Steven Kreuzwick, 147. So there's like, you know, 12 seconds between those two, Thibaut Pino, 150. Egan Bernal, 202. Emmanuel Bachman, 214. Landa moves up to, moved up four spots to 454. Because why you had a bunch of guys dropping out here. Valverde ends up hanging on. Uh, Fulsang moves down a place. Rigobert Uran drops from seventh to 10th. He had a bad day. Richie Port moves up because, you know, he's moves up to 11th from 12th because he actually just kind of hung in there with the overall. So 
there's still, you know, a minute 35 to Thomas, from Thomas to Alaphilippe, but between Thomas at 137 all the way to Bachman at 214, I mean, that's inside a minute from first to sixth place. Landa, you know, that's the big gap there and goes out almost to five minutes. Uh, so I'm assessing the teams here. You've got um, uh, Thibaut Pinot at the Groupon FDJ. He had Rudy Millard out there today helping him. Uh, stayed up there pretty far. You had Reichenbach. Sebastian Reichenbach was in the break. He got up there and wasn't going to do any pulling with Bardet when Bardet was trying to get up the road up to Simon Yates. Uh, there was some yelling back and forth, but he did right. And what did he do when... Um, when he had Thibaut Pino actually come up to him on the climb, he drilled it on there. You know, if you, even if you're going to do it for 500 meters or whatever, it just helps out. And that's the difference you saw with Landa getting it from Amador, getting it from Solera, but not getting any help from Nairo when he probably could have used it because he comes up to Nairo's group. Nairo's on the back. He looks at him, the kind of, huh? And then uh, Landa goes right to the front and he had said something like, oh yeah, you know, he didn't help me. I would have been nice to have something, but he didn't. So, I'm given, uh, you know, Groupama, FDJ, they, they've been doing really well the last few days. And especially, you know, when you're Tebow, look, Pino assessing him as well. This guy's, it's, he's, he's notorious for loving the cool weather. He loves it cool. He doesn't do well in the hot. Today was rainy, kind of cool. And he said it was his element for that. The rumor is that the sunshine, the heat's all coming out in France this next week. It's supposed to be 102 or so there tomorrow. Um, you might see him, like he needed to get it all out now. You might see him melting away. Um, Kreuzwick and Jumbo Visma, they've been fantastic. Probably the best team because when the team time trial, yet they have three guys up in the finish for the climbing. So obviously they have guys, if if let's say Kreuzwick was in the lead right now uh, and he needed a team to help defend it for the next few days, he would definitely have a team that can do that because he has the climb, best climbing guys in there. He has the most um, visibility of, of teammates when it comes down to it. At least he has. Uh, and he's got the, the guy, well, while it's not there anymore, but he still has the big guys to help him if he needs, uh, Garrett Thomas, team Ineos, look, they're not quite like they have been. They're still obviously very good today. You did see Bernal, you saw Thomas, you saw Wout being able to hang around. So Wout's kind of coming into it. Kwiatkowski has not been doing what he had usually where he just goes to exhaustion and falls over. He's, uh, getting dropped much earlier. Castro Viejo, same with him, not looking quite as good. Uh, Warren, uh, Van Barl, same with him. So. The the difference you're seeing, though, is a day like today where the race gets up the road and you have a bunch of guys that are kind of hanging around GC, but kind of out. Uh, that kind of day could explode. And really, what if you got a GC? What if Landa had been up there earlier uh, and, and really was able to get a gap and you didn't have these teams beside, you know, Julian Alaphilippe. In EOS, I don't know if they can necessarily control that like they would want to if this is a really big Alpine stage. Emmanuel Bachman, dude, he's he's uh, up to sixth place, 214, his Bora Hansgrohe team. I don't know what they... Um, Conrad, uh, what's another guy that's usually up there with him, but they're, you know, he's kind of riding solo and he's just kind of able to hang on. You know, he's in a kind of a luxury position of not needing anything. Uh, Iran, he doesn't need to worry about, <laughs> about his anymore. Port, he's kind of out of the picture. Uh, you have, like I said, you had Kroizek and then Alaphilippe. So Alaphilippe's team is coming to the fore and they're really helping out. Enric Moss, who was supposed to be their GC, their climber guy. He's evidently had a stomach bug, not quite the way he wants. But Alaphilippe is fighting and fighting and fighting and trying to do as best he can. Look, um, there's there's a good shot for him, but uh, with the next week coming up, 
I'm not so sure. So who's looking good? Well, we just went over those. Thibaut Pino is firing on all cylinders. He's looking really fantastic. He was able to drop Bernal. Um, saw Neil Rogers of uh, Cycling Tips kind of, you know, like surprised. And he actually that, that this he was kind of having a Twitter discussion with Daniel Freeb. And Freeb's like, you know, no, no doubt that this was the case. And um, Neil's like, well, I thought it would be Bernal and, you know, would, would be able to would win it today. And uh, Daniel's like, well, why is that? I mean, Pino's the best climber in the world. And N- Neil's like, no, I thought Bernal was. Well, Bernal's very good, but we got to remember he's like, what, 22 or so? It's his second tour. Last year, he was doing all this work for Froome, which was very good. You see this with a lot of guys. I mean, Port used to be that guy. A lot of these domestiques that can just slay it for you as a domestique. Now, look, Bernal's going to be the, he's going to be the guy someday. I get it. But you don't say, oh, he's the best climber in the world until you start to see him doing it in these big three week races. What's he, what's he won? I mean, look, Tebow, Pino, he's won, uh, Alpe d'Huez. He's won the, the Tourmalet now. Uh, you know, he, he, he wins climbing stages all the time and he's a very good climber. And he's actually today was, man, he was just throttling it out when he's elbowing Bernal to come through and he's not coming through. Uh, that's a pretty good sign. Thomas, uh, he's, he's looks like he's actually recovered and I think it's dangerous. He's going to be super dangerous now because I think that he's going to start, he's got to switch his mindset. You got to go back to the car and it sounds like he and Bernal have a good communication going. Bernal's like, look, we're, we're doing good. We're talking to, he said, race your race, but man, you've got to switch your mindset with Bernal's in fifth or fourth place and you're ahead of him on time and he's able to go, but you're feeling good. I'm sorry. You're, you're, if you want to win the tour, you're the man. You know, you think Chris Froome would be holding back? Probably not. Kreuzwick, Kreuzwick's my pick right now, um, partly because I just I'm, I'm a fan of his, but I do like how he's riding. And he's he, he looked like he had a little more trouble today, and then he comes good, looks pretty good, and he's got the team team to hold him on. Dramatic change of fitness. We need to. Have, Roman Bardet <laughs> needs that. Richie Port does. I mean, he looks better. Like maybe uh, stage fourteen was a, a hassle for him after really doing a pretty good time trial for him. I don't know. <sighs> I'm I'm at a loss for for some of these guys. All right. How about some things that make you go hmm? Things that make you go hmm. Well, look. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Rohan Dennis debacle. Rohan Dennis uh, rides for Bahrain Merida. He had a few years ago he had been riding for the Garmin Slipstream team midway in the season. He had some issues with them, didn't get along, whatever. Uh, they, he gets his contract bought out by BMC. Goes to BMC. Uh, I think he won the tour of uh, the Colorado Classic in Colorado uh, with them. Other than that, then he wins the uh, tour. Well. He didn't win the Tour of Swiss this year. He won a stage at the Tour of Swiss. Bernal won the Tour of Swiss, and he narrowly won it over um, Rohan Dennis. Rohan Dennis has been thought of as maybe a guy that can come good for the Tour. Eh, he is world time trial champion. He obviously can do that very well. So you have the stage before the time trial. Evidently, he's got some beef with his team. He's in the break, and they're, they're probably telling him to, hey, you got the time trial tomorrow. Hold on. And he ends up pulling out. It, it becomes a big deal because the stage is kind of okay. The time trial is the very next day. He's a world time trial champion. He's known as a hothead. Matter of fact, some of his former teammates said, this guy needs help. Um, <laughs> these are the kind of... And what was weird was it wouldn't have been a big deal if he just pulls out of the, the race. I mean, people, you know, guys do this all the time. Uh, but when your team kind of 
comes out and I didn't say throw you under the bus, but they make more speculation about it. Uh, as granted, 2017, Warren Bargui uh, does really good in the Tour de France, wins a stage. Uh, I think he got the King of the Mountains. He was top 10. And look, little little um, climber from France. He's going to be going good. He goes to riding for Sunweb at the time. He goes to the Vuelta, and he's supposed to be helping. I think Kelder uh, Kelderman supposed to be helping his teammate there, and he refuses to help him. Like the first few stages, team sends him packing. You know that's a problem, and obviously he went to Arkea Samsic. Uh, why am I saying this? Well, what I'm doing here is just basically saying the team comes out, and they immediately kind of we're going to do an investigation we don't know da, da, da. we don't know why well look the reality the the big rumor on all this is that it could be over um the speed issue with the equipment that rohan dennis has he has the bahrain uh the, the merida bike um he doesn't like that the skin suit i guess there were some issues with that and then he's just kind of a dick uh so <laughs> Evidently, with his wheels, he was supposed to have, you know, he says all these things add up and it takes like a minute of me every so many kilometers of my time. But, you know, you're paid professional. You're the world time trial champion. You've got to go show up. You can't just quit. So it's pretty bad the way he's just pulled out of the tour, doing it with so much speculation. The team can't come out and say, uh, Rohan Dennis really hates the bikes that we ride. We promised him a better bike he got his bmc bike from last year he brought it over he was able to get it and do all his uh, measurements and made sure his new bike is just like that one so they can't say those things because then it puts a damper on the sponsorship thing so dude i I don't know what you're going to do for next year his uh, manager came out and was basically saying uh, very political about it (laughs) when i say political i mean he was acting like a total asshole um, you know, blaming the team. It's uh, Rowan didn't do anything wrong. Why would he be sanctioned? He is by his team. He he's. I'm like, you left the tour with, and it wasn't a physical thing. That's why. Okay, and I get it. You're a manager. You know, I'm an attorney. We try to make people look the best light you can. Um, but that's that's just the way it is. Uh, some winners and losers. Well, I think the biggest winner uh, right now is the Tour de France itself. This has been in the French. I mean, uh, Macron, their, their president shows up, you know, he's glad handing, he's getting booed, he's shaking babies, he's kissing people, he probably should be kissing babies, shaking hands, getting pictures with with Pino and Alaphilippe, he's loving it because the, the French people don't like him. Uh, and, you know, everyone's, France is on fire with this, they love it, they could possibly have a winner. So this is obviously, it's very good for France, except for Roman Bardet. He's the loser in this situation. He is not coming into this race uh, in full force. But the race itself is the big, you know, look, they just had the Open, British Open today and uh, finished up. And uh, what I reminded me of uh, the situation in France right now, it reminds me in the, the two of the last seven plus years and the way that the Postal Service ran it. Uh, you have the, the U.S. Open in June every year where they make the course so difficult that you don't really have a winner that goes out and posts a really good score. It's the one it's, you know, they're close to even par and, and then they're chipping away. They're over par and they're just, and it's like the one that can just not mess up the most is the winner. And it's kind of how the tour has been the last few years. You have just any setting pace on the front. There's no real attacks. People kind of go. And then next thing you know, they're, they're just flying out the back and it's, it's who can just kind of hold on to this. Well, this year, I mean, you're having attacking going on and you're having guys getting dropped and then, you know, trying to close gaps. And it's so much more fun. I love to see a race. I love to see a sport 
won rather than continually lost. And that's the way it's been going. So um, my winner is just the Tour de France itself. And we'll have to see how it comes up. So what do we have coming forward? Well, we have the rest day. And uh, then you have on Tuesday, you have Nimes to Nimes. It's 177 kilometers. It's definitely going to be a sprinter day. You're going to have, I don't know, what should we call it? Grenowagen, Caleb Ewing again? Because I think you're going to have Viviani kind of out of the picture at this point. Um, I just don't see him, you know, with all the work he's been doing for um, for Alaphilippe, I don't see him really getting involved in this at this point. So, but that's a totally flat day. Uh, it comes good after the rest day. Then you have Wednesday up to Gap. It has a little bit of a climb, but I mean... I can see a Peter Sagan winning that or a break, might be having a break because then you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three big days in the Alps. It's going to tire everyone out. So my guess actually for stage 17 is you're going to get a breakaway, 12 riders. They're going to get 10 minutes up the road. Uh, they're going to let them fight it out. Uh, but you are probably for stage 16, you're going to, it can happen too. I mean, does Jumbo want to try to control everything. Maybe Sudal, maybe they want to control it. And so they'll do their best they can to try to control this. And for Caleb Ewing, uh, maybe you'll see, um, you know, Sagan win that, you know, everyone's tired. Uh, like I said, Viviani's kind of put himself out of the picture, but Thursday, 206 kilometers. I'm sorry. Yeah. 207 kilometers, uh, with four categorized climbs. Uh, that one actually has a downhill finish over the or category. And then it's a slam to the finish. Then you have a summit finish on Friday. That's 123 kilometers, a short day. Then you have a summit finish on Saturday from Albertville to Valorons, uh, 131 kilometers, Glennon on or category, and then your promenade in Saturday. So look, it's going to be what we can do for energy savings. The next day, Garrett Thomas wanted to not have a rest day. <laughs> he's wanted to keep going because I think he's starting to feel better and better. Uh, and, and partly because he's got Alaphilippe against the ropes and he doesn't want him to get any more rest. So Alaphilippe is going to do what he can to get the rest, hope the love of the whole country of the whole country of France can help him relieve him and, 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 you know, give him some energy to keep on going. Other than that, I mean, look, we, we've got a wide open tour, everybody, and a lot of excitement. That's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Tyler Yonke, your host. Between Two Wheels podcast. Check us out on our iTunes, Stitcher. We are on YouTube, so check us out on the YouTube. We put this whole show up. I do try to then cut it up a little bit and give you some highlights here and there. Subscribe to us. Give us some comments. Uh, We enjoy all your interactions. Until next time, Viva la France.